So we're going to start out, this is a nuts and bolts. I'm going to primarily focus on having a relationship with an existing Mac. And the reason that I'm doing that is, is first, of all, first of all, I'll tell you, ETP is a performance-driven program. It's not a grant. So you have to meet 100% of ETP's rules in order to be reimbursed. So that means you need to cross your T's and dot your I's uh, very carefully. So ETP encourages any college who's beginning um, you know, a relationship with them to actually team up with an existing MEC. Because the last thing you want to do for your college is, is have a liability situation and go into the red because you didn't follow the rules. So it's 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 best to to like I said follow a mech and go under their wings and let us guide you. Define now. That. You, sure. I'm sorry. Did someone have a question? Define a mech. Oh yes, thank you. A mech. There's actually two ways that you can receive funding from. The employment training panel. The employment training panel is one tenth of one percent of the unemployment tax goes into a training fund, and ETP will prioritize, you know, the training fund because obviously they can't give all of it back. So, for example, manufacturing could be a priority. Um, you know, construction could be a priority as well as, you know, warehouse and logistics or even filming industry. So a company can either go to ETP directly and ask funding, and if that case, they're called a single employer who goes directly and asks for funding. They would have to do their own paperwork, all the reporting if they seek their own funding. The other way is through a multiple employer contractor, and multiple employer contractors, obviously, they, they're contractors that deal with multiple companies. So colleges can be multiple employer contractors, as well as workforce development boards, uh, chambers of commerce. That's not to say they all do that because it is a, you know, it, like I said, it's a high performance type program. Um, and also professional associations that host members like the California uh, Manufacturing Council, they, they can hold a, a MEC contract themselves. So hopefully that answers your question. Now, one of the questions is why would you, let's, let's just focus on community colleges. Right now out of 115 colleges, we have about 12 to 15 colleges that actually um, work with ETP. So that's our focus today is why, why college. I always said no one's going to beat a college in the depth and breadth we have in providing services to the industry. We have a, a, a deep database of courses as well as, as faculty, and we have 115 colleges across the state, or at least 12 to 15 in MECs. But a MEC will handle all the, the ETP administrative work in the background, so it allows you to concentrate on building your client base, your customer base. And that's very important because when you're starting out as a college, the first thing I say is, is even though you have a college and people know you're a community college, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have tons of business walking through your door. It, it takes a lot of work and marketing. My average here at El Camino College, it takes me a good six months to one year just to bring one customer to the table, sometimes sooner, um, but you have to build that trust level. So so if you don't have to worry about the admin paperwork, it allows you to start building your customer base. The other factor, reason why you would partner with a Mac is just the experience factor. I know, uh, you know, some of the, I'll name some of the Macs because I know Mark Mitchell from Riverside College is on the phone calls and Mac Butte College. And I believe uh, Annie Rafferty and Linda Zorn's on the phone call. Um, we have Kern Community College District, San Bernardino Community College District, Mount San Antonio College um, is also a provider, Shafee College. 
I don't know who I've missed. I may have missed one. And then there's colleges that partner with MECs. And so we have the experience factor. So we bring years of experience and performance and knowledge that you can learn under a MEC versus trying to learn on your own and sometimes at a great expense. The other thing is cash flow. And for example, I worked with one college um, in Orange County that was starting a contract ed unit from scratch. And cash flow was obviously very, very important. So when you deal with an ETP contract, if you were the contractor yourself, then sometimes you may not see a paycheck from the state you know, you know, sometimes six months, sometimes a year, in some cases, even two years. I have one program. I don't actually receive cash flow until two years later. But some mechs, they will, depending on each mech, for example, El Camino, normally we pay at the end of the class. So that gives you instant cash flow. Or other mechs may have you wait 90 days. Uh, after the class, so it, it depends on the MEC. But cash flow is real important to you, so you don't have to worry about that. You're not have to be cash strapped. Data management and reporting. You know, I wish I had time to to share with you, but I don't. The amount of data reporting um, that a MEC can do, but we're just finished up on. Um, a statewide study of mechs and all the customers we serve, but it's not just mechs. It's also like our, our colleges that partner with us, but they don't have a mech, but they're under our umbrella. Um, we're able to track their data and give them reports that they can share with their management. Very colorful and very in-depth reports. So that's that's a major plus when you're starting out from scratch. I know El Camino, we spent tens of thousands of dollars on a data reporting system, you know, and that's hard if you're starting from scratch to duplicate. Sharing of resources, that's very important. Um, even though El Camino, we may be one of the largest mechs, I couldn't keep one instructor busy 40 hours a week if I tried. So it's really to my advantage to share that instructor with other colleges. And that's a win to the other college. It's also a win to me because I want to keep that top-notch talent in-house. And the best way I can do that is to ensure that they're busy. So it's not uncommon that Mark Mitchell, it's on the phone. We share instructors back and forth and Cerritos College and, and the, even Shafee College. And so that's not uncommon. So that's a benefit uh, working with a a mech. If you don't have an instructor, you call your mech up and say, hey, can you help me? Um, I have a company that wants this course, but I need an instructor. The other thing we can assist you with marketing. And probably the biggest thing I want to, to really state is that <clears throat> collaboration sells. And I have a good example of it just last uh, this past week, working with Shafee College, there's a company that has a location in more than just, you know, uh, Chino. They have Anaheim and some other locations. So it really looks good to the customer if they see, hey, this college has the best of this. This other college has the best of this. Can I pick and pick and choose? And depending on, you know, the college, the answer is yes. So we're doing that with Shapey College under San Francisco as, as we speak. One of the premises of a successful partnership, I'll tell you up front, when we formed our collaborative is trust, trust, trust. I can't say that enough because you might say we're, we're collaborative competitors. <laughs> we still compete with each other, but it's not to my advantage as a MEC provider to, to steal your customer. You might treat me as, as lack of grant, that I'm just administer, administering the fund. So when you bring a customer to a MEC, it's your customer. It's not the MECs, the college MEC. It's your customer. So that trust is built up front. 
the reason we another reason we collaborate with other colleges is ETP they measure performance different than a college they measure performance by how fast you spend your money so so the sooner we spend it you know the better the performance so some cases having these college partnerships really helps us too but trust is everything the other thing funding local college receives sufficient funding to offset costs uh, that's a premise for successful partnership it's to my advantage to to assist you in making you know sufficient money to help pay for your overhead and your operation and the sharing of resources i can't state enough how much collaboration sells uh, and sharing resources you know how hard it is develop a curriculum and how hard it is to find an instructor and how easy it would be if we just collaborate with each other so those are those are really premises of a basic a basic um, successful contract I want to go over just briefly and I'm going to skim through some of these slides fairly quick but as you develop a relationship with a mech you know this you can come back to this and and you'll be will refresh your memories of how contracts work but basically this is how El Camino does and I think a lot of other colleges follow this because we also share forms with each other we'll get into that in a few minutes but here's a just the front page I believe in keeping stuff simple so as a MAC contractor for example I may receive $27.80, you know, per, per contact hour reimbursement for a class, for a job one. Job one may be like a, a priority employer, a high priority employer like a manufacturer. Job two would be like a, a, a non-priority, you know, company, large company. Or job three could be a small priority company and of course job for a small non-priority ETP sort of done away with this large and small this past May I won't get into that right now but basically you can see for each job number there's a reimbursement rate that stated that you would receive back so you know up front what your income would be um, and you can calculate your expenses and we're going to do an example in just a few minutes so basically you would sign the agreement uh, we do it by ETP contract for example a MEC receives a contract from ETP that lasts for two years so we'll sign a contract like with Cerritos College who's a subcontractor for two years so you you know it's just a one time per contract you would have your whoever signs at your college and then of course it would have to go to our board every by the way every college is different on that because some colleges you know they don't have to go through the board because they go through their foundation so there's that in some cases that's sort of nice so we're going to get into how to recover your your contract costs and one of the tools that we give and I'm actually gonna instead of using the slide I'm actually going to pull over a spreadsheet that I started working on we actually give you a tool that you can work with and a lot of a lot of companies let me see if I don't have this you as a let's change this a little bit that wasn't the one I was looking for let me see if I don't have it real quick back to my okay that's fine you as a contractor would receive like 70% of that 2780 and by the way this is all transparent so your reimbursement rate would be like $19.46 and we'll say community college all right you have a, a course that's like 40 hours and it doesn't matter you can put 10 students you say you have 10 students you want to know 
what your break-even point's going to be. And this, the 1946 would be the money that you would actually receive at your college. And I don't want to get too technical here, but but each college basically gets a marketing fee. In my case, I include that marketing fee. So 1946 represents a marketing fee that I receive as a MEC that I pass on to you to help offset some of your marketing costs. Let's say your your instructor rate is $100 an hour. And normally, if you have any book rates, book costs, most of the time we don't because the instructor provides the curriculum. At, and so I'll have a coffee cost of $20 an hour. So I want to know my break even. I do know that for this course right now, with 40 uh, hours of training, 10 students, it's projected my revenue is going to be $7,784 right up front. But here's the part that I love the most. Your college, every college is different on what you're expected to mark up your product or your, your price. Here's a simple, easy method that says if I have 12 students, I will receive 54, that's a markup of 54.6%. Or if I want 17, you know, it could be 65.3% markup. So real easily you can tell when you're working with your customer what your break-even point's gonna be. So it also tells you what your profit's going to be. So for example, um, right here, don't pay attention to this right now, but your profit estimated is to be $3,584. So this is an easy tool that you, you can use that will assist you. And again, we have all this information that a Mac can share with you to help you with this, and I believe Margaret actually has a location that you can um, actually pull this cost cap down. Now, what if, we'll make this brief, what if you have, um, let's say that your cost is not fully covered. Um, I will tell you with Cerritos College, even if they receive 70% of the rate, um, they still make a healthy, healthy, you know, uh, profit that helps offset their costs. But just in case they don't, let's say that your college price for a program is like 14800 And through our spreadsheet, we know ETP is only going to pay $11,544. So you can actually invoice the customer or at least get with your customer and say, hey, um, this is the cost of the course, this is what ETP offsets, this is your share of the, the course. Because there are some courses that may cost you more at, at the local college. So you do have the flexibility to, to add on to that price, or at least add on to what the offset is. Most do not, most are able to most colleges are able to realize a sufficient profit. They don't have to mark it up. But the point is, you can do that. All right. Let me tell you what some of the administrative roles and responsibilities are. Um, a MEC, we help you set up the contract. We even can give you sample forms that you can use. You don't have to recreate this from scratch. I can tell you these forms have been uh, tried and tested and been through so many legal departments researching them so you have a good start but we'll we'll even help you in sharing contracts we'll share that in a minute of how to protect yourself a certification statement approvals will process those for you certification statement to me is really an application to participate in your ETP program it's not a college document it's an ETP form so we would actually submit the business information based on the certification statement we receive from the company and, and process it with ETP. We generate the rosters uh, in many cases. We do the tracking of the students. So when I say tracking, of course, you're responsible in giving us the signed roster so we can do the tracking. We do the reporting with ETP. 
we even do the wage verification and we even do the data management, which we share as a collaborative. We're doing a statewide study where we're going to actually do a report on contract ed and the benefits it brings to the state. Probably at the May summit, uh, contract summit that's coming up. The college subcontractor, it's your customer. So being your customer, you provide your own recruitment, your own marketing, securing the certification or the application statement. You do the scheduling, you actually provide the instructors, it's your course. And you assist us in acquiring a participant list with all the, the participants information that's required by EDP. Plus you help us with the wage verification. The other thing that I do at El Camino that may be different than other colleges, we actually do a, a, a participant survey that almost all colleges do at the end of a course. But we go a step further, a year later, we'll do a company survey to measure return on investment because we want to know, did this really impact your, your company and achieving profitable results or max, maximizing your employee performance or optimizing your com company pro productivity? I do that even for with Cerritos College and I put their logo on it, you know, or it'll be a combination of our logos. There's a good reason we do that and it's going to get into the marketing piece because from those surveys that's where we get our success stories so and then each Mac may do it slightly different I'm gonna jump. yes uh -huh. before you jump to marketing I had a question recently from one of our um, contract ed practitioners about the participant list and the necessity of keeping their social security numbers confidential. Can you maybe share how El Camino does that? Well, that's a very, that's a very good point. And, and one of the reasons we formed a, a collaborative among the colleges about the California Community College Contract Ed Collaborative um, was that we can start working with DTP directly because I know colleges, including me, you know, I can tell you we're definitely opposed in providing social security numbers, but here's the reality of it. Um, the way ETP is set up, how they verify salaries, you know, because they are a state entity, then they're not walking away from social security numbers anytime soon. So the way I look at it, it's if you want the funding, these are the rules that we have to play by. But how I approach it with the company is I, the participant list, I actually get the participants data, their social security number and their demographic information from the HR department. So it's one list. If they have 15 employees, they give me 15 employees with all that information filled out. Nine times out of 10, I really don't have any issues from the company with that. Sometimes I do, but how that's protected is they'll send us a, a a spreadsheet either with a its password protected, so they'll send it, it's locked, and then they'll call me with, with the passcode to unlock it. Or in some cases I'll I'll pick it up, but most of them will ship it locked. Um, if if it's a participant that fills out the application. So there are two ways. You can have a participant in a class fill it out versus the HR. I, I don't really like going that way personally because that's where the problems begin. And then, and by the way, some companies will go out to their employees and say, hey, we need your permission to use the social security number. Uh, so we don't have to do that. The reason I don't like to go to employees then a lot of times I would have to be there and I'd explain to the employees what the purpose is and all that good stuff. And I even have a letter that I give them of what we do with the social security number. And after I explain it, once again, rarely do I have any issues with it. But the reason I like to stick with the HR department is when we start doing our data studies, um, it's the best data that you can get. It's auditable data. 
It's directly from the HR departments. It's correct. I was surprised on how many participants in a class do not know their salary. I was really shocked. But the HRs do, and they're very accurate. So, so when we do a study, which we're doing, and it's going to be rolled out at the May Contract Ed Summit, we know that the data we have is rock solid. You know, so those are some of the reasons. So I don't know if I answered your question, Mark, Margaret, but we have different techniques. Every college has different techniques of how to approach it. But I can tell I you, that, you know, 99% of the time I don't have any issues with it. Eldon, you did answer the question when you said you it was emailed with password protected and yes. locked sheet. That's the answer I wanted okay. to have everybody here. So thank you for thank you for that and, and moving you along. Bet. And I probably expanded more, but that is a question that will pop up. So that's why I wanted to explain it a little more. We're going to jump in because um, I have about 20 more minutes. I think we're still on good time here and talk about marketing. I, I tell you, I've worked in a small college. I've worked in a college out in the boondocks of Alaska, <laughs> and you're you're probably scratching your head thinking, as a college, gee, I'm starting with nothing, or they just started a contract ed unit uh, at your center. And by the way, when I say contract ed, we probably refer to ETP a lot. The only reason we refer to ETP a lot is because that's a major source of funding for contract ed, but there's other sources. But you would have to create your own marketing materials. When I came here um, just about eight and a half, nine years ago, I had no marketing. I had a, a little tiny mech um, and a tiny little office, and here I was wearing multiple hats. I had to be the marketing person. I had to be all this. And and I'm good, but I'm not that good. <laughs> so so thankfully, and we're going to get into that, because of our collaborative, because of Margaret's work and the TAP, we were able to to actually design some templates that you can use. So we're going to go through some of that and how to market your program. You know, through samples, articles, and and I'll show you some of these. Um, probably the first thing you want to do is you want an employer packet. Now the good news is that through the TAP, um, John Wallenhoff, I believe, is who they contracted with uh, out of Sacramento, actually developed an employee packet. These are available. Margaret, are these still available? These folders. She may be on mute, so she might answer in just a minute. But normally you just ask Margaret to see if she has some of these available. And in that packet, you know. I, I'm sorry, Eldon. I, I was muted. What was the question? These contract ed uh, packets, the po uh, pocket folders, are those still available? Oh, uh, I think. I think yeah. Right now we probably have four. four yes. Around there. Can you hear that, Eldon? Yes, I heard yes. So the answer is yes. So talk to Margaret. Um, it's it's a generic packet, but it's very well done, and I have an example. Eldon, yes. Send an email to Faith. To Faith Friday. Riley. And her Faith, I think I heard you say 500. She had 500 around, left. Around 4 to 500, I believe we have. Right. Right. So send a send send an email to Faith Briley, and she can send you some of these. Um, we're going to come back to this in just a minute, but what you're doing is building a customer base. You need some materials. You need to present. We're going to get into that in a minute. What goes into that packet? The other thing is where are you going to recruit these customers? Because I told you it takes us about six months to a year. Every college does this a little different. Um, I know Cerritos is completely different than their approach is completely different than mine. They actually actually will attend every kind of uh, meeting, like California Workforce Association association meetings, chambers of commerce, all those things, and that's how they they acquire their customers. My approach is a little different. I'll actually show up at at conferences. 
uh, in their display areas. And you can see a picture of that. That's, that was our setup. We actually had a background screen that talked about the ETP program, and we had a few giveaways. And we have lots of examples of giveaways. They're not horribly expensive. And the other thing is, I know on our standpoint, we do a lot of door-to-door -door marketing. So attending some of the professional associations or door-to-door, -door, uh, you can write success articles articles we're going to get into that when we start talking about your your packet but these are ways that you can recruit you know customers that's where a Mac can really help you you know just ask them you remember I told you that just a few minutes ago I I do the return on investment surveys and based on the successes we had it's an opportunity to do a success article. Somebody said, Eldon, I don't believe in marketing. You know, the college sells itself. And I said, I'm not marketing. I'm just telling what the college does really well. <laughs> and here's a good article that shows that. So this was the company we recruited. This company took us up to a year to actually get to the table, six months to a year. And they loved the program so much that within that first year, I think they took four or five courses. So we had John Wallenhop actually do a success article. And not only does it help my college, but it helps the collaborative because these, these articles are also shared with the ETP and, and this went statewide. That helps contract ed as a whole, and that's why serving as a collaborative really, really works with this. Um, I spoke to you about the the marketing toolkit and there is there is a place you can also talk to Faith Briley uh, and I believe that Margaret sent you out a copy of the the slideshow but there is a URL address here but you can see there's marketing templates for a variety of different type of programs the one that you're looking at right here that I'm circling was one that I, it's a general introduction to ETP for the customer. I love it, it's a two page front and back. That goes in our packet, you know, so you don't have to recreate the wheel. And, and I know when I first got here, one of the advertising pieces I saw and I about died was Batman is here to save the day. <laughs> it showed Batman you know, and it was crudely done, and that was their marketing piece. So that's not the marketing that I wanted to display. I wanted something sharp, something very professional, and you have that in this tool toolkit. And I think we did one for cybersecurity just recently. The other thing, let's get back to that packet. This is the packet that Faith has. It gives information about contract ed, and lo and behold, there is there is one of the templates that I use, and I can also um, what I do for my packet. I don't. I actually have my own custom packet. As I grew, you know, in size, I was able to create some marketing material. So this is our marketing packet. You'll see the same form. I even have a brochure here that talks about ETP and a course list that talks about ETP as well. So these are some of the tools that you need to have in hand before you start a recruiting program. And again, you don't have to recreate this by scratch. The other way that you, you know, you build up a program, and this is my opinion, the more news you get out there that you're active, you know, the more companies start to take notice and not just the companies, but also you want to educate the people within your college the things you're doing. So here, every opportunity I could find to get contracted in the forefront and the center of the college is I would publish articles or have articles published in our president's newsletter, which goes out to a whole host of businesses and others, you know, or I'll receive I was featured in a ETP after the panel meeting. They normally feature one of the contractors. 
and as, as a news release. And then our presence office can release, our marketing department can release that news release, and we may be followed up with a newspaper or somebody else that's interested. So everything you can do to build up to your program is very, very important. And I also have John Wallenhop, he's an expert. John works directly for, for Margaret and Faith. So, you know, there's a lot of expertise there. There's a blog that he has, Upskill California for the, for the TAP, and it has a lot of these articles that give you a lot of ideas of what to start. All right, we're gonna, what I do in regards to marketing, I don't call it a marketing piece, I call it an information guide. Once again, this is available to you. You don't have to recreate this, but it tells, and I wanna shorten this, it's really too long, but it tells a little bit about the program. So when I visit with the company, I have this in the packet. What I really focus is on that page two on the top of what the, requirements are for an employer to participate in ETP, what the minimum wage requirement is. Uh, they're required, you know, after all courses are completed, there's a 90-day retention period, so employees are required to be retained for 90 days after all training. That's part of the employer's responsibility. And the employer has to have less than 20% turnover rate. In manufacturing, that's easy, most do. So, so I explain that. So when I sit down with the customer with the packet, this is one that I really spend some time. For me, I, I don't like the work free. There's too many MAC contractors that go out there and say, we can give you this course free. It's not free. The employer is required to pay the employee's salary while they're in training, which most do, but that's not free. So, and I show them how we, can use that as an indirect cost on their application. But if they help me follow these rules, then I can keep their out-of-pocket expense, the company's out-of-pocket normally to zero. So this is very important when I have a meeting, and normally those meetings last from 30 minutes to an hour. I'd either get their name through recruiting at the booth or through, you know, buying a data list that you can do. I didn't mention that. Um, there's several ways once you have those contacts and you actually get a meeting. I, I may have 100 contacts and out of that 100, I might get 10 contacts that may bring a meeting and of those 10 meetings, I may actually get five customers out of it. Let's jump, oh, one other thing I want to say, the information guide, it also lists the, the courses that we provide. Again, I like to emphasize change to the customer. So I really take the time to say, hey, this is a new course, cybersecurity. So I try to stay abreast of what, what's really selling. And by the way, in our data system database, we actually track what courses are top selling courses. We can actually help you, you know, with that. Help, help, help is everything we do for the customer. I You've seen the CS certification statement, the application to complete. For a government program, it's probably the easiest application I've ever seen because it's, it's short. It's only like three or four pages. And the hardest question on there is what's your CEAN number? And that's the, that's the California employment account number where you pay your, your unemployment tax. So I tell them exactly where to go because you'd be surprised most HR departments do not know their CEAN number, so I tell them exactly where to go. And then it's it's briefly, who are you, what do you do, um, how many people do you need to train, break it out generically, if you need 99 people, break it out by ge generically by positions. Um, their turnover rate, you know, and by the way, keep it short, so when they start getting into a description about their program, they can actually just cut and paste uh, from their website. And then I won't go deeper into this because we don't have enough time, uh, but I actually show them how to use paying their employees as an indirect cost. I actually, everything in red, I show them how to do. So I make it as easy as possible. How do you minimize risk? Because we've got about five minutes left. I'm gonna go through this fairly quick. 
even though you have a company, um, you know, keep in mind this is still a level of risk. And a, a Mac can help you with this. There are companies that don't follow through. So it's helpful that you know the reputation before you walk in the door, who you're doing business with. Because by ed, ed code, you have to recoup your costs. So the last thing you want is an employer that doesn't follow through and you've done all this training, you can't get reimbursed for it. So the one way that you can do that is to develop an employee, employer agreement. Again, the MEC can help provide this and these forms are available to help you so an employer agreement, what we do here at El Camino, like here's a class, they'll say, this is how many students you're required to start, and let's say it's 16, and of those, 10 are required to complete. I do everything by break even. So for me, I get a lot of mileage by marketing to the customers, say, say look, I know you have employees that don't qualify for ETP, but as long as I break even for my class, I don't mind you slipping those people in as long as the class size doesn't exceed 20. So if my break even point's like 12 and they have 15, I call those insurance chips or chips they can use to slip employees in that don't meet the qualifications. But it spells it out right here. It also spells out if if they drop below that 12, what their cost would would be. So that's an agreement uh, that you would you would actually um, fill out for the customer. That protects protects you. And sometimes you want to, if there is going to be a cost share, you want to collect. In my opinion, you want to collect that up front. It's a lot easier to collect up front before the class starts than the end of the class. Let's get to payment process real quick. We're almost at the very end. Payment from a MEC, it varies from MEC to MEC. Um, you know, so I know my college, we normally pay at the end of a course or at the, some colleges, 90, the 90 days is up. So because of MEC, it depends on how much cash flow they have. Or it could be, you know, some may have a little longer period, but on the most part, it's a lot quicker than what it would be if you got your own contract. So how that works is, I know I have such a database that I actually would give the Cerritos College, here's, here's a list of all the classes, all the participants you provide, here's who qualifies, you know, you already had the list, this is what your invoice is on. So that's how we do it. They invoices, and once they invoices, I'm able to get a check out to the within two to three weeks. Again, that varies from college to college. Sheldon, a question for you? Yes, so, I, I can tell yeah. that's Jorge. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Alden. Yeah, question regarding uh, payment back to the contractor college. So the co the contractor college can invoice you after as soon as the class is over, or they have to wait the 90 days to do that? It varies from college MEC to college MEC. In my process, we have so many grants I'm very lucky, blessed, that my department has so many grants that they can cover the cash flow. So I'm able to do it at the end of the class. Okay. Now, but there are some colleges that, that don't have that luxury that, that you know, have to delay it a little longer. Yeah, that's a big plus. Uh, so yeah. otherwise, in, in reality, um, the contractor college will have to wait 90 days because that's when right. the uh, reimbursement comes but if you get if you pay them at the completion of the training and later on uh, the people that attended the training were not able to remain in the job for 90 days that means that you will have to invoice back to the contractor college for uh, what I, you pay, the right? answer is yes and the other answer is is what I do because I had so many other colleges I was sponsoring. Cerritos grew so much. It, it's now it's almost down to Cerritos and us because we've grown too. So I just offset it off their. If they send me an invoice, then I just deduct it from that invoice. Oh, future no, payment from future payment, sure. like just like EDP does. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Now we're out of out of time. So in summary, because I want to turn this over to Margaret in a second, but.
you know, in review, I went through this very quickly, but once again, don't worry, the MEX can help you with that, experience MEX. Everything's built on trust. You know, it's a win-win for all of us because from a standpoint, collaboration sells. Um, sharing the resources, uh, minimizing your risk. We, we discussed that. Marketing, how to build your program, how to recover your costs and how the payment system works. You're not going to get this all at once. That's why I can't emphasize enough to develop a relationship with the MEC. I know um, Butte partners with Shasta College and some other colleges up north. I know Riverside deals with several colleges, sponsors, as well as San Bernardino. And by the way, I forgot to mention, Jorge's has a contract. He's a MEC as well, uh, College of Sequoias. So I'm, with that, I'm going to stop, and I don't think we have enough time for enough questions. So I need to turn this over to Margaret. Oh, so there might there might be time for a couple of questions, Elvin, sure. if anybody has any. If not, call me or call call your Mac because they're very experienced. All of them very very experienced. They've been doing this yeah. for years, and they'll be. Majority of them will be at the the upcoming um, contract ed summit, which is going to be, I believe, at Shapey College at their Intech Center. So you can talk to any of them. And there is a list when you go to the the ETP site or to the Margaret site. There is a list that shows who all the MECs are with contact names and emails. All right, Margaret, I have your slide up. So. I you do. Eldon, thank you so, so very much. You did an excellent job. So virtual big clap for Eldon. Um, you, you did a fabulous job and you've always been so helpful and available to people, especially our new CE practitioners. Um, and Eldon was referring to the CE TAP website that's on the Chancellor's Office site where we have an ECP toolkit and that lists all of the multiple employer contracts for the MEP and who they are in your region. So they're all very helpful mentoring you through this process. So just a few um, TAP updates. We, um, I was able to attend the all-hands meeting at the Chancellor's office, and it was three days of very interesting meetings that were facilitated by Jim Codwell. And Jim is the um, key field talent person. And the biggest thing that I can take away and share with you is that our chancellor's vision for success has very specific goals and core commitments that your college will now be held accountable for. If you're not familiar with that vision for success, I encourage all of you to look online and start while we don't directly work with students for the most part, what we do is work with employers. And when our employers can promote an individual employee, it then might open up a job for one of our newly graduating students. A lot of the work we do also might help provide an internship or an apprenticeship for a student. And those are the types of metrics that they're looking at in the vision for success. So it's the kind of language your presidents and your deans are going to be talking, and I want to give you a heads up that it's going to be more and more important for us to verbalize how we tie in with that, even though I feel it is a stretch. But we have some one-on-one -on -one time with our new vice chancellor, Ginny Weber, and she understands contract education which I was happy to hear, and I was very clear that we work with incumbent workers and we need a way to show how our work with employers in our region makes a difference for our community colleges. We um, have an opportunity to present at the CCC AOE Spring Conference, and Jonathan Bissell and John Milburn are going to do a wonderful presentation there on April 4th. I want to say thank you to them. Your next webinar will be on April 8th, 
and we have got Claire Laughlin, who's from Cabrillo College, and Claire is a communications consultant and trainer, and she has a fabulous program called Help Your Trainers Be Your Invisible Salesforce. So I think this will be a great webinar coming up in April. If you have not registered for our CE Summit 2019, I hope you will do so very soon. It will be at the Chafee Intech Center in Fontana, and that's going to be May 16th and 17th. And tied in with that, we have the Star Performer Award. And I have sent out several reminders about that, but we would love to have more people nominated to that prestigious award. So if you have somebody in mind, please don't hesitate to type up a short little um, reason why you think they should be the award winner this year. And we have a committee that will be reviewing those. The deadline is March 26th for us to receive those. So we have time to select the individual and order the trophies. And we will be presenting those awards on May 17th at the summit. Next slide. I think it's just Paula, Faith <laughs> and I love, love to get your questions, to get your requests for resources. We're busy planning out the rest of our year and what we can be doing professional development for you, the practitioners. And we'll be doing a survey at the summit, summit to identify new topics that we need to like webinars on or professional training, professional development on. In the meantime, if you have any ideas, please never hesitate to call us or email us. And Faith does have those sales folders. Here's her email that you can send your email if you're looking for um, some of those to your office. Any questions I can answer for anybody? Okay. So thank you again, Eldon. We appreciate you, you so much. You're fantastic. Thank you. All right. Well, if there's no additional questions, these slides and the cloud recording will be posted to the CETAP website. It takes a couple of days for the Zoom to get it to us, and then we upload it. So thank you all, and keep up all the wonderful work you're doing in your regions.